Welcome to the Let's Not Talk About COVID podcast with Cincy Tech CEO Mike Venerable. We're on a relentless quest to discover the why that powers world-class human health and digital companies in Southwest Ohio. And now, without further ado, here's Mike. Hey, everybody. Mike Venerable with Cincy Tech, and uh, I'm here today with Chris Powell, who's the CEO of Telmetrics, and I appreciate y'all listening. If you're walking, don't fall off the curb. If you're riding your bike, don't run out in front of traffic. If you're driving, you should be texting, not listening to a podcast. So, uh, so Chris, great to great to talk to you. I appreciate you giving us some time today. You are in the middle of uh, an expert in one of the most interesting areas to be an expert in today, and that's not uh, vaccines. It's what the heck is going on at work, and it has probably been the most disruptive couple of years or eighteen months that one could imagine. Term, just disruption at work. So uh, I'd love to hear. You know, you're a, you're not just a CEO of a, a growth startup in this space, but you're also a you know a seasoned HR human capital executive and expert. So I'd love to hear your take on that. But first, just give us the town metrics commercial. What are you guys are working on today, and what people are responding to, and then we'll dive in a little deeper. Yeah, sure, Mike. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Always great to elevate and partner up with you on. Uh, advancing, as they say, advancing the conversation and thoughts around these things. Um, uh, for those out there who are listening, safely walking or riding a bicycle or on the uh, Peloton or whatever, uh, uh, you know, Chris Powell, CEO of Metrics, And Metrics, we're an employee feedback research and insights company. We help organizations understand uh, the human capital or the human resources that help them achieve their um, objectives or the impact that they want to have in the marketplace. And so we do things from measuring engagement, culture, diversity, equity, inclusion, manager effectiveness to mining data to find out what factors drive engagement, performance, retention, productivity inside an organization. So think of us like a consumer uh, research company, but we're focused on employees. So that's what we do here. And we've got the technology and solutions and services to um, support our clients through that journey. Um, but um, um, that's the, that's the um, Talmetrics commercial for now. If you want to know more about us, look us up at uh, www.talmetrics, T-A-L-M-E-T-R-I-X.com. So I assume that this is this sort of concern is high right now. It's a very disruptive environment. And I'm kind of interested in just sort of what, when somebody, you know, is engaging with you guys now, what, what's like top of mind for them? Or is it different? Is it like, oh, we've never done, we've never thought about this so deeply before we got to get our act together? Is it, you know, on a specific topic, whether it's DNI or whether it's uh, work from home, remote, hybrid, whatever that is, what's, what's the hot button or are there many buttons? So Chris, the last, I guess, 19, 20 months now have been about as, uh, disruptive and um, eventful as one could imagine. I'm not a young person anymore, and I can, I don't remember this much change in, in the world as, as a whole. I've never had an event like a pandemic, but all the things that accompanied the events last year around racial equality, or, uh, the pandemic, all the things that have been sort of talked about, it's, it's really changed how people view work, it's people out of the workforce, same talent where they work. It's created 
you know, people who are free to work from home and be where they might be and people who have to go in every day. It's kind of a fascinating. <laughs> it's kind of like check all that apply right now, right? Uh, with all the uh, change that we've seen in society over those last 19, 20 months, Mike, um, our clients are coming to us with a, a variety of um, questions uh, and insights that they're looking to understand because that which they knew yesterday has changed um, in a material kind of way. And so be it um, with the, um, you know, post-George Floyd and the whole movement around racial equality <clears throat> and diversity to COVID and the pandemic, you know, literally shifting the way work gets done and how organizations go to market. Um, all of these things are shifting both culture and operational processes inside of organizations. So they need new data points, new insights that are relevant to the now moment versus what they were measuring, you know, say two years ago, because so much has changed. And so we get a lot of clients coming to us and say, hey, we got hypothesis, but we need data and evidence to really understand where the uh, where our employees are on these issues and topics and opportunities, but also what what's the other evidence data that we have to support that so we can figure out you know where where do we need to focus our time and attention to drive things like employee engagement and performance and retention, which then drives the entire rest of the supply chain. I re regardless. <clears throat> of what industry, right? So if the hearts and minds of the folks who do the work aren't in the work, <laughs> it's going to disrupt your supply chain. <laughs> um, so um, folks are really curious uh, of getting insights on a whole bunch of things. Um, you know, when we're talking about culture right now, a lot of that is also tied to diversity, equity, inclusion. So we're doing a lot of work around helping uh, organizations understand how employees' mindsets have shifted in these 18 to 20 months. And then on operating uh, models, um, you know, things around organizational effectiveness, uh, how are decisions getting made when you can't necessarily collaborate like you used to and communicate like you used to? So helping organizations look at insights to help them improve that. So to the point you just asked, it's like, check all the apply, Chris and team. Do you have something to help us uh, along that journey? So part of it, I guess, is, you know, how do you, you know, gathering that data, but I, I just think of today how hard it is for some of the, some of the issues we're talking about. We're trying to really build culture and build change and have conversations around, you know, in the workplace that were not being had in the past or not, not at the, the pace or the, I guess the coverage that we think of today. Those are, those are hard things to talk about in a box on your screen. Hmm. Like body language is important. Um, you know, being able to see the other person as a human being, all, all the things that, that make those kind of conversations both challenging, but also I think authentic and real and help people make progress. I think that's, that's one thing I worry about. I don't know what, what data is out there, but I, I would, I would wonder, are people worried about building culture without physical engagement? And have you heard, you know, how do, how do people approach that today? How are companies thinking about it? Well, you know, again, you know, Mike, as we were talking about the 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 container or the box that we're operating in has changed, right? So, whereas we would normally learn together in a room um, with somebody facilitating or sharing knowledge, et cetera, et cetera, now we're behind a screen, and so one of the things we're seeing, even with the work we're doing, is 
uh, applying new approaches to learning and engagement and collaboration, right? Um, given that we're remote, um, not necessarily co-located when we're, you know, facilitating these. And so there's still a lot of experimentation. And um, I think um, it's still early in the game to say, hey, what's the silver bullet? Because one of the things I think we're um, learning and seeing more of is the difference in learning diversity for folks. Um, literally, I just had a conversation with a colleague who was like, hey, I've got a learning disability that I probably would have never shared had we still been co-located, but now that we're remote, I need to let you know. And so I think um, um, we're, we're seeing organizations learn that, hey, not everybody learns the same way. And I think there's an assumption around that. And so the, the different techniques and, and we're seeing organizations test and try out a lot of different ways to figure out what's going to be optimal um, for their workforce and training managers on how to, you know, uh, have different and diverse approaches to engagement and collaboration um, via a screen. So there's a, this is a, I don't want to call it a um, complete greenfield, but it's, um, it's new territory for a lot of organizations to figure that out um, as we go. One of the things that fascinates me right now is this, it's a bizarre talent market. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you think? And- and it's, you know, you, you go pick your data and be confused by it. But one of the things I worry about, I've thought about a lot this since last year, is that while I, as a knowledge, quote unquote, knowledge worker, can sort of sit in my house and work and go to Starbucks and hang out, somebody else has to go in and do their job. And I think many companies probably have this new division of labor that did not exist before. It's not, it's not management and labor. It's not... Uh, you know, it's it's really this notion of who can do their job remotely, and who can't, and it's a significant. You know, I think it's a it's a huge benefit for somebody to be able to work remotely or in a hybrid condition, relative to a peer who cannot, because your life is completely different. And that was that has been discovered by all knowledge workers who could do that last year to say, oh, here with my kids, I can let the dog out, the air conditioner person's here, I've got you know all these other things I can deal with on a day-to-day basis because I'm hanging out at the house but still doing my job, hopefully. <laughs> well, the other person's driving in and slogging away. And that's not just people who are in meat-cutting plants and factories. There are there are many, you know, traditional office jobs that require physical presence. <clears throat> yeah. Have you heard any of that or is, are people concerned about that? Oh, yeah. You, what we're calling it is the equity of the work experience, right? And where are those uh, inequities that may pop up depending on where you fall on the continuum? And so the three big buckets, Mike, right now are what we call those folks who can't work remote and have to be on site. Then those who are going to be hybrid, work some portion at home, some portion in the office. And then those folks who are fully remote, those are going to be three different um, experiences and perspectives and perceptions around attitude and mindset toward work, right? So if you're the lucky um, person that doesn't have to commute to work and you're living in San Francisco or some other densely populated metropolitan area where it could take you up to an hour to get to work, um, your attitude (laughs) and ability is going to be significantly different than those that don't. And so organizations are starting to think through, all right, 
How then do we meet the needs? Because the needs are going to be different. And so this is where I'm saying this is all new. You know, clients are hitting us up, asking us to help them figure that out of what are the specific and unique needs of those who are on site every day versus those who are hybrid versus those that are fully remote. And that menu of things that we can do um, in support of these various populations. And that's just on what I would call, you know, kind of the workplace diversity, like where do you work now and how do you work? Mm-hmm. And then you add on to that other dimensions of diversity. Do you have kids? Do you not have kids? Do you have, um, uh, do you have elder care responsibility or child care? You know, there's so many other aspects that are kicking into this um, that previously I would say organizations uh, wouldn't have explored with their employee base because um, oh. it would encroach upon what we would call those uh, more sensitive private things that people usually don't go too deep in at work. But now we need to know a little bit more so that we can offer the support and what organizations need to know. It's bizarre because you know, we used to, the whole thing people were talking about before this happened is like, oh, you know, I get text messages and emails all night and work is invading my home. And the next thing you know, you're at work and you're cat or dog is on your keyboard or <laughs> your kid wanders in. It's like we had a complete inversion of the who's intruding on whom thing. So now that line is blurred and I think that's a that's another challenge. So one really so something I feel every day and think about all the time is just the amazing amount of mobility, job mobility that people have now that in some cases I'll I'll use software as an example, software development, where essentially all jobs are now almost default remote or hybrid. And I think there are a lot of people who are away from the coasts who thought, oh, there's going to be this great out-migration and people want to have a different standard of living and they'll have a much simpler life away from the congested pandemic dystopian cities that were emerging last year and all that, all that. And what's actually happened is kind of the reverse. It's like there's a whole arbitrage game going on right now that talent is you know, sort of geographically untethered. And if I'm on the if I'm in a place where I'm usually paying you know for position A, 200k in Boston, and that position was literally 50 cents on the dollar somewhere else, the arbitrage is I'll just find that talent elsewhere and I'll meet them in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it's you know what it does is it essentially lets the highest bidder bid up the price of labor in a way that has to normalize over time, I think. But it's you know, it's going to be challenging. This mobility is not about moving around anymore. It's about I can work where I want to work in certain categories. And it's not just, I think it's software. I think it's, I think in a lot of cases it's finance. Mm-hmm. If you look at the you know, number of things, you know, transactions that are done almost fully virtually, I'm seeing it legal right now um, or hearing about it anecdotally in the legal profession. So this untethering, you know, so one thing good has happened is I, you know, I think wages and compensation in general have gone up among lower income jobs. And that was, we were, we were certainly behind on that in terms of just stagnation. So that's, that's been a, hopefully a good thing that comes out of this. But if, the other thing is just this whole notion of I can work anywhere. So that makes retention a massive challenge because I'm not seeing you every day. I'm not having lunch with you once a month. I'm not even physically in your presence ever right that's got to be a big fear like people just pop off and then of course the famous wall street journal article which i i assert is somewhat apocryphal of people working two jobs 
Now, I'm a software person, and I can tell you there are a lot of software people who it's not beneath. They're not afraid to do that. Trust me, they'd be up for it. Mm-hmm. But I think you know that's just that just goes to show you how how do I make sure you're accountable? How do I make sure you're not you know spending all your time on Indeed.com looking for your next gig? <laughs> And you're, you're telling me, hey, you got to pay me more because I can work for somebody in California that will pay me twice as much. Mike, I'm going to unpack that because that was a lot. These are my own problems. <laughs> that was a lot. But let me unpack this one, right? Because when you're talking about talent, right, there's what I call four major considerations that organizations are looking at today. And to your point, let's just use software developers and the example. So. If you can find a software developer right here in Cincinnati for um, who's making a hundred thousand, you were paying somebody in Boston for two hundred, and to your point, meeting in the middle. What are all those things organizations are thinking about as they start to think about their talent strategy to support the new realities of even a fully remote organization or a hybrid organization, right? And there's four things that pop up. One is cost. So when you think about labor costs. Hey, where can I find skilled labor that I can get at a lower, you know, cost per head than I could anywhere else and still achieve my business objectives? The other are the legal ramifications of hiring um, remote or hybrid workers in different geographies because there's varying state laws and labor laws as you cross states. There's not a there's not a uh, national labor law that's consistent across all these states in terms of policies and um, requirements. Then from an operation standpoint, you know, how are we gonna be able to engage workers and connect so that they can perform and produce and collaborate, all of that connectivity piece. And then the last one that we talked about earlier is around culture. All right, what is it, what is it gonna mean to work at Cincy Tech or Talmetrics if everybody's dispersed? What does that mean in terms of who we are and what we expect? of our folks. So those are the four major considerations, cost, legal consideration, operational, and then culture. And so I think organizations who just think this is, hey, we're going to put in a hybrid work model and allow people to work from home three days a week, two days a week, without thinking through all of those other considerations, I think are going to find themselves in a a, a potentially challenging predicament in a couple of um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a couple of months or years, because one, we're in a labor shortage, which I find absolutely amazing that we are, given where we were beforehand. So what we're seeing is that in people's relationship with work has significantly changed. And I think the longer that we're in this pandemic, it will continue to change. And so that commitment to an organization is decreasing. And you mentioned something earlier that I I know of a focus group of three or four people I know who are moonlighting while they still have two, they in essence have two full-time jobs because they're working remote and they can figure out how to work their schedule and be able to do both. So I've seen that and have witnessed that happening. And so um, this whole thing of what it means to be a part of something, I think is going to be evolving um, as, as we continue to move through I, you know, we were saying the next normal. I don't know. I'm just going to say as we continue to to have our lived experiences, because I don't know if there's a new normal or not. This is the normal. I mean, <laughs> what's amazing about this is, you know, people, we're not a, we're, we're 50 states. Like, we experience this as a country very different than Belgium, 
for example. I mean, we're 50 Belgians. Or I have a bucket of Belgium, some France's, some other things thrown in there. And then we have, you know, urban is different than suburban and rural. And it's, you know, it's not going to recede quickly. You know, I think I doubt that we'll ever see the, the, the issues that we had last year. And certainly Europe seems to be navigating better, but other places are obviously more challenged. But I just look at this, I, you know, I, I look at Australia and New Zealand, for example, that have this massive, like, we don't want, we're going to lock down every time we get a case. And I just think you're just delaying the inevitable. You need to just understand that this is going to happen and you're going to have to get an experience. You're going to have to get experienced with it as a, as a population, as a health system mm-hmm. and as employers, you know, and governments, like how do you actually, you know, become more agile and adaptive. And if you look at how, you know, people are, it's just not going to go away anytime soon. And the, and the changes are to your point, the change, the change is the permanent change. The unpredictability is the permanent change. And I just wonder if, um, you know, the, you, you, I know you know this. I went to, um, the last two nights, two days in a row, I went to two different, uh, fast casual restaurants near my house. <laughs> and my kids are all in college. My wife and I are looking for economy of, you know, activity. And, and I picked up food in one case and went in in the other case when we sat down for a while. But in both cases, the number of people working there was a fraction, not half, not even a third, but a fraction of the people that were working there before. And the number of people there were a fraction. So everybody's habits have changed. So from everywhere from a fast casual restaurant all the way to the biggest companies, I think this is a big threat. It's, a big, it's going to be a continuing challenge, which I think is good for Calmetrics. Is that true? So far, yes. That has been proving that to be really good for us in helping folks uh, understand how things are shifting in terms of what I call the hearts and minds of the people. Um, it's, it's, been, um, it's been a good year, thankfully, and grateful for it. Well, that's good. And, and, and then most importantly, you're helping people sort of figure this out and navigate it. Um, maybe next time we do this, we'll bring in, you can bring in some people that are, that you can talk to yourself and really have a conversation about the, it's about the future of work. You know, it's the future of whatever work is going to be, but I think the future of work is really the future of how you spend a third to half your time in some cases. And I think, you know, yeah. people are reexamining what that means in a big way. Happy to do it. We're in the midst of some research with a couple of clients right now and helping define what the future work looks like for them. So, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to come back and give you an update or pro- and bring some friends, as they say. We can talk about those things. You, you, you all can talk and I'll stay out of the way. <laughs> all right. You got well, go back to Go back to doing that. You know, I, I'm really excited about all that's happening there. I've heard so many good things about impact that you're having on your customers, which is the most important thing. Yeah, so. uh, it's, 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 um, it's, uh, it's noble work, as I call it. All right, man. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks, Mike. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.